0: Hello, and welcome to The Vlogging Pod. Today, we are joined by Sherry Ficklin, author of the best-selling Stolen Empire series.
1: Yay! <laughs> welcome to the room today. Thank you for having me, I'm excited.
0: <laughs> oh, it's a privilege, it's a privilege. Now, if you've watched my um, my. My videos, or if you've listened in, you know, I try to do a little bit of research on each author so that I can formulate the best questions, so to say. <laughs> <laughs> now, there, there's a lead up for that because I found this so funny when I did it. So,
1: <laughs> oh no, <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Um, let's see. Now, as I was reading up on you, I heard. That you studied at the Starfleet Academy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I tried. I tried really hard. I, I'm an old school Trekkie. My dad raised me on classic Star Trek. And so, but really, I feel like I'm an equal opportunity nerd. Like, if it's nerdy at all, I'm into it. So, but yeah, Star Trek's my favorite, probably.
0: <laughs> well, based on what I had found, because, you know, You know, putting it out there that you're part of the Starfleet Academy. And by the way, I have one of those little pins, too, the Starfleet, (laughs) because I am a Trekkie myself, just putting that out there. I kind of like the next generation, though, so
1: I'm a Picard fan. (laughs) I do like Picard.
0: Awesome. I, I do. And have you watched the new series? I mean, I know I'm getting off topic here, but
1: wow. No, wow. I have. And I love it. It's so, I mean, character wise, you get so much better character build up and growth from, I think, the show than you ever did the original show, which is just fabulous. Oh,
0: exactly. Now, the original, I have to say, I did like the movies. I did love the original movies. Of um, you know Spock and everybody, I, I just really loved the movie factor of those. But when it came to the series, Next Gen, totally. Of course,
1: Deep Space Nine's got me too, so I'm kind of pulled. <laughs> See, I <laughs> anyway, loved Next Gen. I wasn't a huge fan of Deep Space Nine, but I actually really liked Voyager. So, um oh, yeah. You know, Voyager I I was like the idea of a female captain.
0: Ah, uh, well, yeah, women in power. I get you. <laughs> yeah. But based on that, based on that little bit I had found, I had a question for it. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Which ship was refitted in the late 2379? Was it A, USS Voyager, B, the LKS QVOV, or C, U.S.
1: Enterprise E? Oh, gosh. That is a tough one. It was probably the Voyager nope c oh it was c (laughs) dang it
0: i know (laughs) that tells you you're a voyager fan right there that says it all
1: i know i'm i it's terrible
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay well so before the academy you came from Virginia, right?
1: Yes. I, uh, I, I was a military kid, so I kind of grew up everywhere. But we landed in uh, this small town, Front Royal, Virginia, which is actually just outside D.C., not very far. And uh, okay. that's where I did my high school years, So that's where I claim as my hometown. Okay. Um, let's
0: see. So how did you end up in Grand Junction, Colorado? <laughs>
1: Um, so growing up a military kid, my dad always said that there would be nothing I could do in life that would disappoint him as long as I didn't marry a Marine. So that's the very first thing I did. Like <laughs> I got, uh, I, I left home to go to college and I met my now husband who was in the Marine Corps and I was like, that's it. He's my person. So, uh, but my dad ended up liking him.
0: <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, so, so he's
1: actually from here. Here. <laughs> Yeah he's actually from here. this is his hometown. he grew up here so and I didn't really have a hometown like to compete against when he retired so oh. I was uh-huh. like, sure we'll go to Grand Junction why not?
0: <laughs> Welcome to the room everybody that's coming in um, so <clears throat> you have from what now from what I've counted I could be wrong. But from what I've counted, I have you down for 20 books.
1: That sounds right. I've lost count after about 12. Uh, So so when people are like, how many books have you written? I'm like, I don't know, a dozen or more. I'm pretty sure more. But yeah, that sounds right. I think I'm at 20 now. About
0: 20 books? All right. So out of those 20, what would you say stands out to you the most?
1: Oh, yeah, that's hard. Um, Picking favorites. I I really love my favorite thing. I think that I've ever written is losing Logan, which is a one shot standalone, um, paranormal romance comedy ghost story, which shouldn't work, but does somehow. And, um, I think the reason I enjoyed writing it so much is because all of the characters are amalgamations of people that I actually grew up with and Uh based on situations that actually kind of happened to us with a very paranormal spin. But so it was, um, it was fun to be able to kind of throw all these great personalities of people that I actually know into this melting pot and, and come up with these characters. And I think I got my favorite review on that one too. Someone had emailed me and said that, um, She laughed until she cried and then she cried until she threw up. And I was like, perfect.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is awesome. You know, you know what? I, I, I've always thought that if you could uh, build an emotion out of anybody, even if they hate your work, That is an emotion that you brought out. I mean, if they're just like, eh, and they toss your book aside, you know what I'm saying? But to love it or hate it, really, in both ways, you can speak as a compliment. Because you'd be, I've read some books, and I'll be like, I'll be yelling at the pages, no, no, you know, and I'll be so frustrated, but I'll be looking for that next book. And that's where you got somebody is when they are that much into it, where they're that invested. So awesome.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I think I've only read one book in my life that I think really disappointed me. And it was because I didn't like it or dislike it. It was just so tedious. And I just couldn't. It was like, I'd never DNF books. Like I never don't finish a book. And I just could, I couldn't. I got probably three quarters of the way through it and actually threw it away, which is like a cardinal sin in my house. I was just like, I can't, I can't, I have, I'm not invested in this at all. So yeah, I totally get that. Like love it or hate it. It's either way. It's. It's something.
0: <laughs> right. Welcome to the room, guys. i and seeing you come in. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, you just said D and F. Is that, did I get that right? D and F. What exactly yeah. does
1: that mean? Did not finish. Okay. <laughs> D and F book. You did not finish.
0: I need one of those dunce caps, I guess. <laughs> DNF. That's funny. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Uh, this past June, you published an audio version of Kingdom of Shadows and Dusk. Can you explain to our listeners how how this process goes? How you go from
1: uh, book to audible? Right. Well, and there's a couple different ways to do it. I really like Audible. I like. this is probably an unpopular opinion. I like Amazon. I uh, personally bow to our Amazon overlords. They've been really good to me (laughs) as an author. So I don't, I don't have any issue working with them. I know Audible had some, some issues a couple months ago, but it's a really good format, I think for connecting narrators and authors directly. And it really cuts out the middleman. So when I had the book finished, even before it went into print, I started auditioning narrators for it so I took kind of a clip of the book and um started accepting auditions and I ended up with a fantastic narrator who I had, I had heard about because she had done some of Casey Bond's books she had done When Wishes Bleed for Casey Bond and I loved that one. So when she auditioned I was like absolutely fangirling and and um her her audition was I mean so emotional the way she reads and the way her speech patterns. I mean, it just draws you into the story, which I think is probably the most important thing that I look for on that. So um, once she had auditioned, I went in and I accepted her audition and I offered her a contract. And then we sort of set the dates and and it goes back and forth between us. You know, I have to send her the pronunciation guides and and all of that right. stuff. And, and it's funny because no matter how many rounds of edits a book goes through, like professional edits, I think we had four different editors on this book and she still caught two errors (laughs) and i was like shout (laughs) out to the (laughs) the two little errors that made it through so many rounds of edits and so many eyes on the page and but they they will catch it because they have to read it and they have to be i mean just really nitpicky with it because of the the medium so right. um, she caught them, and we were able to fix it. And so that's been nice. But it was it was so surreal to hear somebody else reading my words. It it was really intense. I love it. It's a great process. And Aww. then once she sends it back to me, all the wooden... So it goes chapter by chapter, all the files. Sort of there's an issue. I can be like, hey, it's in chapter whatever at this time point and she can fix it. And then we send it off to Audible and they kind of do their thing. And, and then it shows up for sale on Amazon. And they don't really tell us when it's going to happen. So it just is just a surprise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's awesome. I I say that only because I really enjoy audibles. Now there is a, there is a woman that reads and her name is, uh, you tell me if you've heard of her, Laura Lai King. I have. You have, have.
1: okay. Yes.
0: Oh, shit. you were talking about the lady you hired um, is such a good reader and emphasizes and tells the story basically with through their speech. Yeah. And I actually bought a whole other series based on just Laura, like King reading it. Cause I've I was done like, that. Oh, have you, uh, it's so awesome. When you find someone who can really read the story. I mean, that is yeah. just awesome. When you have that fit, that's just a wonderful feeling. It now, is. It's a at, yes, it is. I agree. Now, as we're talking about the Kingdom of Shadows and Dust, um, tell us a little bit about the series, which I believe uh, is a two-book series so far.
1: Um, yeah, and it's just two. It's the duology. So, And it's funny because they really are each sort of a standalone, but in the same world. Kingdom of Shadows and Dust is very much Ava's story, and she is the only point-of-view character in that book. And then when we get into the new one, which is the Shadow King, it is Alden's story, but it is also Priya's story. And um, so you get kind of dual perspective, which is a little bit trickier to write, I think, but it's so much more, you get so much more of the world and you get so much more enrichment um, from having these two very, very different characters that are really um, opposite sides of the spectrum as far as what they're doing and what they want. So that that is their book, Will Be the Shadow King.
0: Okay. Now, just out of curiosity, because this will lead up to my next question.
1: How old do you have your characters based at? How old? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I think that Ava was 16 or 17 when the book started. Okay, okay. So she would have been 17 going on 18 by the end of it. And I tend to stay in that young adult range just because um, – I think that it's really interesting to be able to write those sort of first emotions, you know, mm-hmm. when you're in your 30s or 40s and you've, you know, you've had relationships and you've had loss and you've had victories, and but when you're younger, you're sort of experiencing those things for the first time, and that's, I think, way more fun from a storytelling standpoint to be able to okay. show those experiences for the first time.
0: Right, I agree with that. Um, so, as I was saying, I had a lead up for that. Okay. <laughs> In 2015, you had attended a book expo, and it was here that I quoted you from saying. Do you, do you mind if I, I quote you here?
1: Go right ahead. Okay. Heaven help us.
0: I have, okay. <laughs> I have steampunk, science fiction, fantasy, time travel, historical. I just sort of run the gambit. Anything that interests me, I can do that. And I put it all under that nice umbrella of YA. And it still has a home. Now, with that, do you still feel that way six years later?
1: I do. It's um, When you start out writing, one of the pieces of advice you tend to get from people is to pick a genre and stick with it. Um, if you're writing thrillers, you're going to be a thriller author. And if you write anything outside of that, it's hard to bring your audience with you. Um, Mm -hmm. I think a good example of that is J.K. Rowling after she did the Harry Potter stuff and then she went in and wrote her Robert Gallibreth books and it didn't really find an audience because it was so different in genre. But when you're writing under the umbrella of YA, Anybody who reads YA will pick it up, and even people that don't necessarily read YA that are into that sort of genre will still pick it up. It's much easier to bring your audience with you when you can put it all sort of under this umbrella um, of genre. It just makes it easier, personally. I think. So
0: when you're when you're talking about YA, um, how do you prep it any different than than anybody else would in a regular in a a let's just say an adult fiction book i mean are you have to be very are you, are you at the point where you have to be very cautious about how you word it because you're dealing with young adults or can you be a little bit more liberal as how you're putting it out
1: See, I really don't. I don't have to be, and I think that's kind of another misconception about writing YA is that you get sort of these gatekeeper peoples that are like, well, if you're writing YA, then you can't have language or you can't have sex or you can't have whatever, but then for every rule, it has been broken and it has been broken successfully. So um, I think that there's plenty of freedom in YA. I don't think I'm restricted by it at all. I don't think that I have to be careful about the way I tell a story because I think a teen and young adult audiences are very savvy with what they read. It's funny, most teens will actually read above YA. They tend to read more adult books and more adults tend to read YA um, statistically. Um, just, And I think that that's partly because as a teenager, you're living that life and you don't necessarily want to have your escapism in that world as well. Whereas when you're, you know, 30, 40 years old, it's nice to look back on those years and be like, oh yeah, that was fun for the first time. And and so I think there's kind of a dichotomy where you're writing characters at a certain age, but you're not necessarily writing for people of a certain age, if that makes any sense.
0: Okay. I hear you brushing on this 30, 40. (laughs) It just makes me
1: wonder, um, how old is yeah, she? I'm hitting that. I'm, I'm older <laughs> than I feel always. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. but like I, I, I loved Twilight and I loved it not because I thought it was great literature, but I loved it because it sort of took me back to a time when I was experiencing those things for the first time. And I think adult readers, like to be able to look back on that, but I know it was hugely popular with teens too. So, I mean it. Right. It was one of those lightning strikes uh, where it just sort of hits everybody in the right in the right moment on the right day.
0: When you mention you mentioned sex, okay, I won't get into the nitty gritty because we're this is a clean show. <laughs> <laughs> this is an above board show. I'm just putting that out. I'm gonna emphasize that to the camera. <laughs> um, anyways but when you talk about YA and of course you referred to the twilight uh, my personal my, of course my daughter she had all the books i'm i'm probably quite a bit older than yourself but um, i personally i couldn't get into when she was younger i was more into um, when she the, the the last book when she became an adult and she became you know a vampire for to say because she was an adult to me it was easier to dive into it because of that because I felt just this is just my perspective I felt uncomfortable reading a teen being sexual so when you approach that how do you go about that what limits do you set I mean I know you said that there is become a more open and open area into that but how do you yourself set boundaries on that
1: Uh, for me, I let the story set the boundaries when you're talking about like in a historical context, when you have like the queen of someday books, even though she's much younger, she's 15, 16 going into those books. It's 15, 16 years old in 1700s Russia, when at 15, 16, you're getting married and having kids and, and doing those things. So that sets the tone for me, the world and the story that I'm in will determine how much maturity I allow that character to have in their relationships. So I always try and and make it very authentic. If I'm writing a contemporary teen book about, you know, a 16, 17 year old girl, I will not take sex off the table because I think that at that age, there are a lot of kids that are sexually active. It just depends on, oh, the mom and me is cringing just saying it. I think it just depends on the character and their sort of moral compass and what they're doing with their lives and how they would respond authentically in any setting. So I always, I I try never to restrict myself. I'm never going to be like, Oh, I would never write 16 year olds having sex because I have, and I will, and I probably will again. And, but it really depends on the story. Like it has to be right for the story. I'm not one of those people that will advocate adding it in for shock value or, you know, just to have, just to have it in there and, and, uh, try and sort of catch that audience. I would never do that. I think it's just a matter of just being authentic to the characters in the world that you're writing.
0: Okay. I can, I can understand that. I just, it just makes me wonder like, so when you, when you, when you do your sex scenes, um, are they more fluff? They're not as, they're not as, um, oh, what's the word? I'm lacking for a word here. They're not as graphic
1: as some books could be. That is very true. Yeah, absolutely. And I have done adult romance as well, where it gets much more graphic. And I think it's the vernacular that you use and how long you spend in those scenes. But even in the Queen books, when there is sex scenes, it's all closed door, off page, or it's alluded to, but I, I don't get very visual with it. Number one, I get uncomfortable writing it in a teen book. <laughs> so, um, okay. Now we're on the same page now. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't like it if it is. Cause I think there's a fine line between like no. adult romance and young adult romance. And I will actively, you know, sort of smooth gloss over it a little bit, though. All I right. will say there are some racy scenes in the queen books. Again, it's alluded to, but it's very sort of off page closed door. I don't, you know, we don't get into the nitty gritty of it. I just, I don't like writing that in my way stuff, but that's a personal preference.
0: Right. But you're, I mean, I'm right there with you on that. Now we're about 12, 11 seconds left. What would you want your readers to take away from this interview about you as an author?
1: Um, I think that I just, I write a little bit of everything because I love a little bit of everything and I love the idea of creating something that people can escape into. And, and that's what my books are. They're flights of fantasy, no matter what the genre is. And they're, you know, just a way for you to step out of your world for a little bit and step into one of my worlds. So if I can bring that to people, that makes me very happy.
0: Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the program today. I greatly appreciate it. Absolutely.
1: Thank you, <laughs> Thank you for having me. This was fun.
0: Oh questions. well. Great. Uh, well <laughs> hey, I do my best, I tell you. I I try to go and search and I'd like to bring something different, but I also want our guests to come in and feel as though we're just having a conversation on the phone. I don't want to be, you know what I mean? Like, why, why? <laughs> why Give me the answers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: I'm over here holding the speaker. Just tell me
1: why. <laughs> I'm in the corner crying. You can't <laughs> handle the truth. Okay. <laughs> All right. The
0: people are now seeing my tonsils. I'm laughing that good. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you very much for our listeners and stay tuned to next Tuesday when we will have our next guest. Thank you again so much. Have a great one. Bye-bye.